whenever we are communicating with God, it is not a, like, you owe me, and, you know, hey, look here, look who's talking to you, Lord, you know? Uh, and nor is it a crawl under the, the stone and, you know, beat yourself with whips. You know, so, you know, some traditions have it that they have whips and they have, uh, they, they have to beat themselves in order to make themselves worthy, and they actually beat themselves to the point of bleeding and, you know, so that God will hear them. And there are some, some um, beliefs that they will, they will stand up and bow the whole way for thousands of miles. They will do this continuous down on their knees, prost, you know, lay out before God, pull up their knees, stand up and get down on their knees, and they, they inch their way hundreds, sometimes thousands of miles to these places and to these shrines in order to obtain some type of favor with this God whom they are trying to please. And one of the documentaries, documentaries I saw on this, the woman had her child tied with a rope around her hand to the child, and she was doing this pilgrimage in order to get someplace, some favor with God. Martin Luther, and this, this is not Christendom, this is another one, but Martin Luther, this is about Christendom, Martin Luther on his um, ascent, the stairways to, to you know, his, his, his uh, uh, ascent of penance, in which he was paying so that God would hear his prayer, he was, you know, on his face crawling up the steps, uh, you know, to get to God, and while he's doing this, the scripture keeps over in his mind that by grace you're saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And Martin Luther, in his idea of penance to f- somehow get God's favor, Martin Luther says, it's not by my works that I'm going to obtain favor with God, it's by his grace. Grace and mercy? Grace is that he gives to us what we don't deserve. We deserve, in our sin, we deserve punishment. But God forgives us. He is the sacrifice for our sin and forgives us. In his, in his grace, he forgives us. In his mercy, he bestows his gifts on us. Even though we are not worthy to receive of divine gifts, he gives them to us. So Martin Luther reformed in the Reformation, reformed the church, and started, it, as it were, the Protestants, the Protestants, of the old way of looking at things through the, through the idea of somehow gaining some type of favor with God. So, turn in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6 and 7, verse 8, 9, 10, and 11. So that, if you follow that, it's verses 6 through 11 of Isaiah chapter 55. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 to 18. We've read this verse the last couple of weeks, Isaiah 55. Seek God while he is here to be found. Pray to him while he is close at hand. Now remember, God is never so far away as to be just near us. So pray to him while you know that God is with you. Um, pray that you know while he is here with us. Let the wicked abandon their way of life, the evil, way, the evil their way of thinking, let them come back to God who is merciful. Come back to our God who is lavish with forgiveness. Okay? Verse 8. I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work, God decrees. For as the sky soaks, excuse me, as the sky soars high above the earth, 
So the way I work surpasses the way you work and the way I think beyond the way you think. So whenever we are praying, it's important for us to understand what are the, you know, in Sunday school, we did this one, what are the sound doctrines? The sound doctrines of the scripture give us a foundation from which we pray. Okay? So it's the foundation upon which we stand as individuals. God forgives us because of his grace. So therefore, the Bible says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace so that we may obtain mercy. So I am going boldly to the throne of grace. I, I, like I'm walking into God's presence because I don't deserve it, but God, by his grace I enter that I may obtain mercy, that he will give to me all that I need in my life that I might accomplish the task that he has called me to do. Hmm. Everybody have a paper? Those papers we hand out? Those are tasks. <laughs> and not all of us are called to do the same thing. But we will receive mercy, which is God's help in achieving certain tasks that God lays on our hearts to do. Now, because God lays on our hearts to do them, doesn't mean we're going to be perfect at it the first time. You know, when I, when I stood up to preach my first sermon, they gave me 20 minutes. I did four. And now you pray for that to happen again. Oh, God, hear our prayer. <laughs> All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Be cheerful no matter what. What's the next verse? What's it say? Go ahead, back 17. What's it say? Pray all the time. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Say that. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Say it again. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. Praying without ceasing. This is what one, uh, the King James has it. Pray without ceasing. So, I have a question. How many have cell phones? How many have a favorites list? <laughs> How many don't know what a favorites list is? It's a little button on the bottom of there. You push it, and there's supposed to be people in there that's your favorites, okay? I didn't know that till just a week or two ago. My wife says, call so-and-so. Well, I'm going through the whole, you know, alphabet trying to find them. She says, oh, push your favorites. I don't have a favorite. <laughs> she says, it's that little button right there. You push it, and sure enough, she was in there. <laughs> Her phone number was right there. In, in, you know, in a couple. I didn't know they were in there. I don't know how they got on my favorites list. But anyhow, how many have ever texted someone? Okay. All right. Not in church. <laughs> Somebody texting me. Preacher, time to quit. Okay. <laughs> All right. Have ever texted? You texted. That's a word. You know, I, I always, is, that, is that a proper word, texted? I didn't think so. It's not, a, it's not a proper word. I will text someone. I'm not texted someone. Did you texted someone? But anyhow, if you text someone, 
what do you do? Huh? You're communicating with them? And if you send out a text, do you wait for an answer? Not always. <laughs> Who has the last word in your text to someone? <laughs> do you or do they? <laughs> what is the proper etiquette? Does, should you say, okay, thank you, I've heard that, I got this. How do you know they got it? Well, texting is a way in, in you know, communicating that honest communication of life in this moment is prayer. So what if we were going to text God? You know, if you go back over the people you've texted, what are you telling them? Are you telling them important things? Important things to you? Important things to them? What are you telling them? It's like, did you ever see a, a group of individuals? And, uh, uh, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be young people. It can be, you know, any, you know. You get five individuals and they're all standing and looking at their phones. And they're all going, boom, boom, boom. You know, it's like, you texting them? You know, it's like, you can talk to them. Don't text them. Huh? You know, you ever see anybody doing that? Yeah, they're all sitting around the table going like this. You know, hey, yeah, did you get my message? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah just, oh, you got it. Yeah. And, and it's like you're texting people right across. What would you text God? What would you tell him? If you were going to put a brief message together, what would you tell him? Is it an honest commitment? How many purposely lie on your text? <laughs> You know, you would send them a little ha-ha later, you know. But, yeah, you know, how many would purposely lie in your text to someone? No, you know, you're generally communicating what you're thinking or feeling or what, you know, and, and it leaves lots of room for miscommunication because when I read something, I'm reading it from my perspective, not necessarily yours. Anybody ever have trouble from texting? <laughs> I see those hands. <laughs> what happened? How did these people misinterpret what I meant? Because you weren't there. You weren't there to tell them. They weren't there to see your body language. They interpreted it. Interpreted it. That's like texted they would interpret what was given to them, sent to them, in the moment they found themselves. And how they are in that moment, in that mental frame, and their perspective of something, they interpret it. So a lot of miscommunications come about, and misunderstandings, missed understandings, come about because of, not because of what we say, but because we're not present in our conversation. Hmm. We are always present in our conversation with God. And that our communication with God is not only in our prayers, but we know that in, in our voice, but we know that we communicate with God through music. So as we're playing and singing, you are worshiping, expressing your relationship with God through the words that we sing or say, you know, some of us who can't sing, say them well. 
and we say them to God, and it is giving us a direction, a to instant texting to God who is right here in this moment, and we are communicating with him, and he, and he can tell by our body language, I'm really having fun today, Lord. <laughs> you know? Or I'm, you know, in, in the psalm that we, you know, I was, this psalm that I need to find. What do, do you have anybody have this morning's psalm? The Sunday school leaflet. Bob, do you have one there laying there? Sunday school leaflet. Thank you. In Psalm 119, verse 145, I called with all my heart, answer me, O Lord, and I will obey your decrees. I called and I was expecting an answer. So the whole idea in this section of this psalm, verses 145 to 149, it's about an expectation of God hearing us. And the psalmist is saying, um, I rise up, no, wait, went back up. I call out to you, save me, and I will keep your statutes. I rise up before the dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night. I am up all night with excitement and anticipation that God is answering my prayers. You know, I, I, when I read that before the lesson, I was thinking, here's this guy up all night calling out to God about all the problems going on in his life and, and things aren't working well for him. And the exact opposite is true. This guy is up all night and he doesn't want the morning to get here because he is so excited and elated in his relationship with God about all the promises that God is making real to him through his word and through his law. So it's, it's the exact opposite of what I thought. Because I wasn't there. I'm just reading the text. But when I began to understand the words and understand the context of the author, I find out the guy's really excited about staying up all night, meditating on God's word, and finding hope in his life. He's finding hope in his life through the law of God and he's, he's excited about what God is doing. And so there's this expectation of what's there. And so whenever we pray, hear me, answer me, it's the same word. Hear, answer. I pray with an expectation of an answer. So I pray through my voice, through the music, through body language, through sculpture. Michelangelo. Sistine Chapel. the stone sculptures that he, that he did. Painting, facial expression. Facial expression. Dancing. Writing. I mean, how do you express yourself? I'm not talking about Madonna. <laughs> so if talking isn't your thing, you can still be good at praying. If talking isn't your thing, you can still be good at praying. You know, um, who's the lady who won uh, America's Got Talent? No, she didn't win two years ago. Boyle, Susan Boyle. You know, I, I never got it straight, 
But here's this woman who is a phenomenal, absolutely, you know, she's, she was British, the Britain, British version of Got Talent. And she got second place in Britain. And she was the top performer, built millions and, I don't know how many millions and billions of dollars she's made. But she went to church, and I don't know if I heard it right, and I could be wrong on this. That means I didn't hear it right. Uh, she never sang in church. She didn't sing in church. And I'm thinking, how lame of that preacher to have this person in his pew and she never sang in church. So if you're in the pew and you can sing, there's a, there's a check mark on that paper. <laughs> Don't let this pastor be lame when you go to America's Got Town and sing and you win and I never let you sing in church. I thought, how lame for this Susan Boyle, who, you know, of course she wasn't the flamboyant whatever person. She, she you know, she had some flaws when she got on the program. But she had a voice that wouldn't quit. And it's like, you see, some of us have those qualities that you just, I mean, they're just stuck behind something, and we need to let them out. You know, I, I think of, uh, you ever watch Sister Act? You know, with Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg or whatever she is. Is that her name, Whoopi Goldberg? Yeah. You know, remember in Sister Act, there's this, there's this choir, and there's this little, there's this meek little lady, and she's And what is, what is Whoopi do to her? <laughs> she, he goes with, she goes with her hand and just kind of twists her stomach, and she goes, <laughs> And she says, let the people in the back hear you. Because there was something in there that needed to come out. There was a talent and a quality of life that needed to come out. And every one of us have a, have a quality and a need in our life to be able to take what we have and express what it is to God. And express what it is in our service to God. And, and God, is in, God is just beginning in our lives over and over again. And he's just beginning to take who we are and bring it out. And so we all have that, and in our prayers, there, there's an acronym that says push whenever we pray. Push. Pray until something happens. <laughs> and pray doesn't mean God do this, like pushing him to do something, that I am praying and expecting, I am, I'm, I'm listening for the answer for what God is speaking to my life. I am praying so that the answer comes into my life. I'm not pushing God to do something, you know, I'm not behind a person, you know, get somebody up here and push them down the aisle, go do this, I'm not pushing God to do something, I am praying, that, that, and, and what, I'm, what I'm doing in my praying is I am listening for God to answer, I will pray until I have an answer, I am praying until I have an answer, how do you pray? Honest, sincere, direct, specific, God, this is my need. This is where I'm at. Help me make the choice, the decision. Help me fulfill your will. Be with me, speak to me, guide me. Open doors, close doors. God, 
do your thing in my life. I am expecting an answer. Um, Luke chapter 18. And this is verses 1 through 8. Jesus told a story showing that it was necessary for them to pray consistently and never quit. He said, There was once a judge in some city who never gave God a thought and care, noting uh, nothing care, and cared nothing for the people. A widow in that city kept, kept after him. My rights are being violated. Protect me. Okay? He never gave her the time of day. But after this went on and on, he said to himself, I care nothing that God, what God thinks, even less what people think. But because this widow won't quit badgering me, I better do something and see that she gets justice. Otherwise, I'm going to end up beaten black and blue by her pounding. <laughs> then the master said, Do you hear what that judge, corrupt as he is, is saying? So what makes you think that God won't step in and work justice for his people? Who continue to cry out for help. Won't he stick up for them? I assure you, he will. He will not drag his feet. But how much of, how, but how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on earth when he returns? A persistent faith. We pray to be heard or we pray to be answered. We pray to be heard or we pray to be answered. We pray to have an answer. We pray to be answered. And so we are persistent in our asking. And persistent, persistence is saying, I have to have this. And he's using the illustration of someone who is a widow who has no legal rights in the system and it is up to the judge to be fair in making sure that her rights as a Jewish person under the law of God is met. And he, the judge, doesn't care for God and doesn't care for the widow. She's a beggar with no influence. But she's going to continue to beat him up, <laughs> verbally, not physically, but it's like being beat up. He's, she's just going to continue to beat on his door until she gets justice. And, God, and Jesus is saying, do you have that persistence push? Do you have that push until God answers your prayer? So I am not praying to be heard because God always hears me when I pray. He knows my thoughts and the intents of my heart. He knows all the things that's going on in my life. So my prayer is about petitioning God to be answered. God will answer my prayers. Remember last week's prayer? Child sets up, you know, child comes to daddy and says, Daddy, I'm afraid of the dark. Will you sit with me? Or, <laughs> oh, 
omnipotent grandfather who provides all of my security and my allowance. <laughs> Please hear me through, you know, through the long hours of the night until the dawn of light breaks the glass of my... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not a prayer. We want our children to be specific. Daddy, I'm afraid of the dark. Hello. That's a prayer. Daddy, I'm afraid of the dark. Can you help me? Daddy, I have a need. The scripture says we cry, Abba, Father, and that literally means Daddy, Daddy. We cry, Daddy, Daddy. Father, God, my Father, hear my prayer. Hear? Answer my prayer. And what are we saying? Well, what is the specific need? As we increase our time in prayer, we're letting God know our daily life. And it isn't that God doesn't know our daily life, it's that we need to tell him. We need to address God with our daily your, Do your friends that you text to need to know your daily life? <laughs> Why are you telling them? Well, they're my friends. <laughs> I want to tell them what I'm doing, you know, what's interesting and what's going on at the moment. Oh, so-and-so smiled at me, and so-and-so they, they didn't talk to me at all. And we're... <laughs> Does anybody have those kind of texts in your textbook? <laughs> you know, so-and-so didn't speak to me. I got a test tomorrow and such and such. I got to do this. I didn't study tonight. I got that test tomorrow. And what's going to happen with this test, you know? We're going on and on. What are we doing? Wasting time. <laughs> We're telling people what's going on. Well, what is prayer? Prayer isn't wasting time. <laughs> Got the analogy there, didn't you? Prayer is not wasting time. Prayer is letting God know, and our prayers are that we are expecting an answer. It isn't, God, I didn't study. God, I need your help as I study. Help me make time to make study. <laughs> Help me make time to study. God, help me to study quickly. <laughs> I don't have much time. <laughs> God, you see, answer my prayer. And what does he do? Persistence. You see, frequent, honest prayers open our hearts to the mind of God. Frequent, honest prayers prayers open our hearts to the mind of God. In genuine prayer, we relate to God in a conversation. His heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. Augustine wrote that. That our hearts are restless until we find rest in God. So, do you, are you ever restless? Saturday nights. Saturday nights. I am restless. <laughs> I mean, you would think I've never preached before in my life. <laughs> you would think this is my first sermon. Because every Saturday night, I am restless. I'm, I'm just like... <laughs> I don't know how tomorrow's going to go. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen in Sunday school or how this is going to come out. I don't know how this is going to happen. And, and, you know, pray... 
until you are at peace. So I pray, God, you know what tomorrow is. You know who's going to be in church. You know what the needs are. You know what the needs of the people are going to be. Help me to say the right things. Help me to put the right things in place so that I can say what you want to say to touch their life. And, and you pray until you get peace. Because this isn't automatic. This is God's moment for us to communicate with him and to accomplish his direction for our lives because eternity is in the balance for each of our lives every Sunday. Eternity is in the balance every Sunday for each of our lives. Because if we do not grow in our understanding of the word, we do not have a foundation upon which to stand so that we can pray without ceasing, that we can take our momentary ideas and momentary requests and pray with an expectation of answers coming to us. Amen?